The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. In Luke 13.3, is Jesus saying that repentance is needed in order to not individually perish? What about in Luke 24.47? What is the relationship between repentance and salvation in the Bible? That's our discussion today, and we'll start it in just a second or two after I tell you about our website, faithalone.org. Faithalone.org, go there to find out more about this ministry. You'll find access to thousands of free articles and other resources. That's faithalone.org. We welcome you to Grace in Focus from the Grace Evangelical Society. And now with our discussion, here are Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates. Donna had such a great question about repentance that we dealt with in a couple of these, and we we thought we would do at least one more because she mentions a number of verses in the New Testament, which she thinks is teaching that you need to turn from your sins, repent in order to go to heaven. Which is wrong, but a lot of people hold that view. That's why we're spending so much time on this, because she is reflecting the view that is widespread among not only Catholics and Orthodox, but Protestants. Oh, yeah. I mean, you if you get a gospel tract, I mean, how many of them mention repentance? It's got to be. I would bet north of 80%. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. Probably 90%. And when you see billboards on the side of the highway, repent of your sins, you know, go to heaven or whatever it might be. And so. Ken, I know you've been a Southern Baptist for many years. And how many Southern Baptist preachers have you heard say, justification is by faith alone, apart from works, so if you repent and believe, you will be justified. There you go. And they don't think they've just contradicted themselves. Because no. by faith alone, well, I mean, no, it's by faith plus repentance. Yeah, it's just so much of our tradition. It's so much of our evangelistic language. You know, Christianese. Christianese. Yeah. That's the word I was thinking of. Well, anyway, we, in the last two episodes, we talked about some of the verses that Donna mentioned, and we thought we would include a few more. And one of those that she mentions is Luke 13, 3. As we've said in all of these verses, we got to look at context, 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 context. It's the same thing here with Luke chapter 13, 3. And there's two key words in Luke 13, 3. The same words appear in 13, 5. Those words, if they're misunderstood or ignored, change the whole meaning of the passage. So read this one. Jesus is speaking. He says, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. All right. Now, the two key words are what, Ken? Repent and likewise perish. Yeah, you really should be three. (laughs) Right. But likewise perish would be the key to understanding what the repentance gives you. So now the word likewise is often overlooked. Why does he use the word likewise? Has he mentioned somebody else that perished in the passage? Yes, what he's going to say is immediate verses. Okay, read the verse before. In verse 1, he talks about some Galileans who died. And then he says in verse 2, Do you suppose that these Galileans who died were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? And then he says, if you don't repent, you're going to perish just like they did. Yeah. Likewise. In verse one, it says Pilate mingled their blood with their sacrifices. He killed them. He killed them. Well, likewise perish clearly means likewise die. 
And guess what happened to the Jewish people when the nation did not repent? They died. Between 66 and 70 AD, over a million Jews died prematurely. That's right. And the city was burned to the ground. The The temple temple was was destroyed. Yeah. And they likewise perished. Right. So that's real simple. It's just saying, and it ties in, by the way, with 2 Peter 3, 9, we talked about in the previous episode, that repentance is the antidote for premature death. That's right. And you see the same thing in Ezekiel 18, the soul that sins shall die, therefore turn and live. That's why I call my book on repentance, Turn and Live, from Ezekiel 18. The last verse in the chapter talks about turning and living. It's not talking about turning and living eternally. It's talking about turning and living physically. Look at Feinberg's commentary on Ezekiel. He points out this is talking about physical life and physical death, not eternal life and the second death. Yeah, it's been a while since I've read up on this, but it seems like I remember hearing that no one really knows exactly what this historical reference is, but Jesus speaks about time where evidently some Galileans were rebelling against Rome or something, yeah. and Pilate killed them. And it's kind of interesting in 66 AD, that's what's going to happen to the nation. And by the way, the same thing occurs in 4 and 5. In 4, he talks about a tower that falls on people, and 18 people died in that It says, killed them. And then verse 5, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you all likewise perish. There's the word likewise again. Well, the people didn't go to hell when the tower fell on them unless they were unbelievers. That's right. Maybe they were believers that that tower fell upon. But either way, that's not what it's talking about because it says it killed them. It killed them. And And so the perishing in verses 3 and 5 talks about being killed prematurely. And even the ones that Pilate killed. Could there have been believers among them? Sure. Sure. They were rebelling against Rome and the idolatry of Rome. Well, didn't Herod (laughs) kill James, the apostle, the brother of John? Right. He he was killed early in the church, and then he arrested Peter and was evidently thinking about killing Peter until God releases him with an angel during a prayer meeting. You know, there were lots of people that were killed that were believers. Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, is stoned to death. And so this goes with our last episode about Second Peter 3, 9, yeah. perishing. Right. Perishing there is physical death, and it's obviously physical death here as well. Yeah, look at the words, likewise perish. Perish, and there it Real is. Real clear. The Grace Evangelical Society has recently started an online seminary, and we're preparing to start our second semester in February. You can study with some of the finest free grace professors and earn an MDiv degree in three years. There is no tuition if you maintain a 3.0 grade point average. It's time now for application and registration. Study the Bible, the biblical languages, and free grace theology with us. Find out more at faithalone.org seminary or gesseminary.org. All right, well, I think Donna had, she gave us a lot of verses, but here's another one. Luke 24, 47. What's interesting here is the Great Commission is found in all four Gospels and in the book of Acts. And this is the Lucan version. And he says, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And Donna takes the point that, well, this is the gospel, that repentance 
well, there's an issue there for the forgiveness of sins and the forgiveness of sins is to be preached. And so Don is saying that if you're going to have your sins forgiven, you got to have repent and you go to heaven, you got to have your sins forgiven. That's the conclusions that she's making. And by the way, that's a huge misunderstanding today. Many people think the forgiveness of sins is a condition for going to heaven or having eternal life or being in the kingdom. Well, guess what? A lot of believers die unforgiven. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Luke 15 talks about the prodigal son who goes to the far country, and while he's in the far country, he's unforgiven. If a believer dies while he's in the spiritual far country, he dies unforgiven but goes to be with the Lord. If a believer has unconfessed sins to the point to where he becomes in the spiritual far country, then he's out of fellowship with God. And if he dies in that state, he's dying unforgiven. Of course, people say, well, there's a positional forgiveness that he's forgiven of all his sins, past, present, and future. Maybe the question is, is forgiveness something that occurs at a point in time or does God forgive in advance? But I would suggest that even if there is positional forgiveness, if a believer dies out of fellowship with God, he dies unforgiven, right. and yet he dies with everlasting life. And so, Well, like when Jesus says, if you don't forgive others, neither will your Father forgive you. Exactly. He's talking to believers. Right. Your sins will not be forgiven. So we have to say, whatever we say about this positional forgiveness, that, yes, a believer can be unforgiven. Right. And so the issue in being born again is everlasting life. The issue isn't the forgiveness of sins. Now, it is true, Acts 10.43, that at the moment of faith, a believer has his past sins forgiven. I think that's what Acts 10.40, whoever believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins. You start off, at the moment of faith, you have fellowship with God. Right. Now, there may be other verses like Colossians 1 and Colossians 2 that say that there's a positional forgiveness, but I don't think Acts 10.43 is saying that. But in any regard, what Don is asking about in verse 47 actually was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, which was another passage she asked about. In Acts 2, Peter preaches that Jesus is the long-promised Messiah, the one, according to John eleven twenty-five to 27 and John twenty thirty-one, guarantees everlasting life to those who believe in him. They come to faith, they're born again, and then he says... Let each of you repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. After they had already believed. This was after people were already born again. They were forgiven, and they received the Spirit afterwards. And by the way, that's what occurred in Acts chapter 8, when the Samaritans come to faith, Peter and John lay hands on them so they can receive the Spirit. Paul in Acts twenty two sixteen, he has to repent in order to have his sins washed away. Yet he's already born again. And then the Acts 8, they were already born again. So the issue in the Great Commission here is that they were going forth telling people how they could have the remission of sins via repentance. This probably refers to the nation of Israel and to Jews throughout the Roman Empire. But it could apply to Gentiles as well. Absolutely. When we preach the gospel, we tell people they have eternal life by faith alone, in Christ alone. But we also preach repentance. When you become a believer, you need to turn from your sins so that you can have fellowship with God. And this forgiveness of sin, this ongoing forgiveness of sins, so that you can walk in fellowship with him. And by the way, I'm thinking of the Great Commission in Matthew. 
to make disciples. You know, the Great Commission is not just, I want to get people saved. Right. I want them to live holy lives. I want them to please the Lord. Right. right. It's a sanctification in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Right. How do you make disciples? By baptizing them and by teaching them to observe all that I command. To commanded. observe all that I command. That's not how we're born again. Exactly. And same here with Luke 4. This the, isn't how you're born again. Repentance. Right. Right. Now, right. in Mark, it is that we're going out and we're preaching the gospel to people In Mark, it's a whole other discussion, which we have discussed on other shows, but it's clear there that the only condition of escaping eternal condemnation is faith in Christ. Well, thank you, Donna, for your questions. I hope this helped. If you have any other questions about repentance, go to our website. We've got lots of articles on repentance, and you might check out my book, Turn and Live, The Power of Repentance. And remember, keep keep grace in focus. We would love to know where you are when you are listening to us. Please take a short minute to send us the call letters of this station and the city where you are listening and how many times a week you listen. Thank you. You will be helping us with our stewardship. Send it to radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. We are so thankful for our financial partners who keep us on the air. Every gift is tax deductible and very much appreciated. If you'd like to find out how you can give, go to faithalone.org. On our website, we have a church tracker. It's an easy-to-use map that will help you locate those other Free Grace churches that might be in your area. So come visit us at the website and take advantage of our free church tracker. It's at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. On the next episode, what does it mean that an unbeliever can be sanctified by their believing spouse? We'll talk about it. You join us. And until then, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.